0: but vehicle would be the better word. The connection between the movement of the body and the vehicle containing it. How much grasped in that slip of a second. How you could change the shape of the universe, get a move on, hustle, rock, and tremble through life, through the garden anyway, a few feet. It may have only been a few inches, for all I know now, that first time, but that they became feet, and then yards, and then quite a few yards, and then more than that I know for a fact, because I was told about it when I was old enough from the initial suspicion that somehow the pram with the baby in it wasn't quite where it was when last seen. A large pram, of the period, of course, highly sprung, probably brakeless, easily mobile, left with the baby in it for the usual half an hour or so in the afternoon, while mummy was doing what mummies did in those days, which precluded keeping an eye on the baby. And Daddy was in his surgery, accepting a chicken for his latest diagnosis if his patient was one of the impoverished of the parish— or dispensing manly medical sympathy to one of the island's younger matrons. Nigel, perhaps, toddling about the kitchen when Nanny was having her tea and a gossip with Cook. While all those people were doing those sorts of things, the pram with the baby in it, the rocking, bouncing baby, was trundling along the garden path to somewhere quite a long way from where it had been when last seen. It was a complete mystery to the adult intelligences how he'd done it, if it was he who had done it, but if not he, who then, and why? So the next afternoon they, mummy and nanny, planted the pram in the usual spot, and stood over it, watching. The baby lay there, smiling, or snivelling up at them, until it struck them that they should try observing the baby when unobserved by the baby, and they withdrew behind bushes and trees, etc., and thus witnessed the swaying of the pram, then the juddering of the pram, and its slow unsteady progress along the path, the movement accompanied by a low humming and keening sound from within, that reminded them more of a dog than a human, which they found alarming. On the other hand, the mystery of the pram's apparently autonomous locomotion was resolved, although in reality it embodied the deeper mysteries of self, self self-discovery, will, solitude, and the need to make a noise when shaking and bouncing along in a pram. Jouncing was the word they used for it. I was a jouncer, therefore. From infant genius to infant pervert. But what was admired in the Haling Garden in daylight? indeed interpreted as the early manifestation of an original mind, possibly of genius, became regarded as something other, possibly a perversion, when practised at night in an unmoving bed. The bouncing and jouncing, and above all the weird canine keening, could be heard all over the house, and all through the night, and persisted through my teens and twenties, actually, until I got married at the age of twenty-nine. It was worse than snoring because it seemed entirely willful, even though I was unconscious, or could be assumed to be, my face buried in the pillow, and my body sliding and humping. But if my face was buried in the pillow, how come I was so audible? And how come, at least in my earliest years, I didn't suffocate? I could have been an early example of what used to be called cock death, but is now frequently, after confidently delivered, though hopelessly flawed, medical evidence misdiagnosed as murder, A number of mothers wrongfully jailed, whole families destroyed, children snatched from their homes and placed with foster parents or in institutions, irretrievably. Irretrievably? Well, yes, we know we might have made a mistake, say the social services and government ministers responsible, but it's too late now to correct it. For the children's sake, they must stay fostered or institutionalized. Besides, no smoke without fire. Even if we're the ones who lit it, you can't expect us to put it out. We're comfortable with what we've done, and compassionate and caring with it. So, with the hypothesis that I died in my cot because my face was sunk into my pillow while dancing, and then with a time jump of those sixty-seven years, it's easy to see how the course of lives might have run differently. Mummies would have run in jail. Daddy would either have remarried or sacrificed himself, declaring mummy's name. Nigel would have been fostered or institutionalized. And I, well, I would have been dead, of course, officially the victim of infanticide, unless they could pin it on the nanny. But in fact, the victim of a dancing habit that led to pillow suffocation. But what pillow? Surely babies don't have pillows. If they lie flat on their stomachs, a clear impossibility, actually, given that babies' stomachs are round, inflated. I've just been upstairs and tried it on the hotel bed. I lay with my cheek, right cheek, as I'm a right-hand side person, pressed flat against the mattress. It felt so easy and natural that I began to slip away for a moment. The great soft belly of me cushioning the middle of my body, in fact becoming a functional asset instead of the pendulous embarrassment it is when I'm upright and in company. And not only when I'm in company, I'm embarrassed by it when I'm on my own. Sometimes I stand still in the middle of my study and try to suck it in. I'll try now. I'm in the bar, but nobody's really looking. No, nothing stirred except...